Colossians 4, 7 through 18. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instruction about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the way, will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you, and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. We have for several weeks now been going through the book of Colossians. This will be the last of my series from the book. And at the end of the book, Paul begins to give credit to members of his team, those who have worked with him. Paul wants us to know that he was not in this alone. While the theme of the book is Jesus and the one, he's the one and only, and he is enough. He also wants us to know that our ministry for him and with him is important. You know, there is in all of our lives a search for significance. Does my life matter? Have I accomplished something? Am I here for a reason? Why does God have me on the earth? Everyone wants to know that their life matters and that they have made a difference. Ronald Reagan said members of the armed forces don't have to ask themselves that question. Yesterday was Veterans Day, and I want to take just a moment. I don't have long, but I think it would be wrong for us to pass this moment on the day after Veterans Day and not recognize those who have served in the armed forces. And so I'm going to ask you, if you ever raised your hand and said, I swear to defend the Constitution of the United States, if you ever put on the the uniform, regardless of what branch it was. Would you stand right now, please? Come on, please stand. I want you to know your life matters and you have 
been significant. You have had an impact. And on behalf of a great nation, a grateful nation, I want to say thank you. Thank you for serving, for the commitment, for the sacrifice. And God bless you for that. You have made a difference. Thank you. Be seated. You know, that question, have I made a difference, is a question on all of our minds. And I like the fact that Ronald Reagan said that those who've served in the military do not have to ask themselves that question. You would think that those of us in ministry, Todd, would not have that question. And yet it's something we ask ourselves every day. Have I made a difference? I've told some of you, I love mowing grass. Yeah, I know that makes me strange, Samantha. You know why I like mowing grass? Immediate gratification. You can see instantly, Casey, where you've been. And the ministry is not like that. You may have to wait an eternity, Charles, before you know the good that you've done. So I like mowing grass. I like straight lines, Gail. You picked on me about that the other day. I can't help it. Uh, Tim laughed at me the other day. We were down here under the stage, Tim and I, shoring up the stage so we can put the baptistry on it. And I looked at him and I said, that two before across there, I sure am glad that's just a brace because it sure is crooked. He said, you mean your OCD shows up even under here? <laughs> yeah. I want you to know your life and your ministry matter. And that's what Paul is talking about. You see, to, to make a real difference, no matter what kind of pastor you are, what kind of minister, deacon, Sunday school teacher, to make a real difference requires a team, a band of brothers and sisters, if you will, who will work together for the glory of God. No one can take claim for what God has done in this church by themselves. It's not about me and it's not about you. It's all about Him, but it's about a team. We don't have a pulpit anymore. and I'd fall over, I think now if I had one. But the preacher had taped to his pulpit Take them to Jesus. Let them see Jesus. Let them see Jesus. Let them see Jesus in you. Take the word. Take them to Jesus. Tell them that He is the one and that He is enough. The second guy is Onesimus. You've made a difference in the kingdom, Onesimus, and I want to mention you in the inspired letter to the church at Colossae. Onesimus was a new convert. He, and that's Tychicus, is coming with Onesimus. That's in Colossians 4, verse 9. And he's mentioned in the book to Philemon, the letter to Philemon, chapter only, verse 10. I was tempted, um, Jonathan, to just put Philemon 10, but people would get confused by that who don't know that there's only one chapter. So, so I did Philemon chapter only, verse 10. My son Onesimus, 
get this, who became a son while I was in chains. Probably means Onesimus was in chains too. Alan, because he was an escaped slave. And the book of Philemon is about Paul taking this new convert back to Philemon, his owner, to make things right with him. But notice that Onesimus was converted from slavery and prison to faith, freedom, and brotherhood. That's what he says. He was in chains with Philemon. He is now um, our faithful and dear. That's the same beloved word. Our faithful and dear brother who is one of you. Now working backwards, what does it mean he's one of you? He was from the church at Colossae. Along with his master, his owner, his boss, but he ran away. He broke that relationship. He ran away, even though he was a member of the church at Colossae, he must have been a lost church member. You ever been one? I have. You know, just because you attend this church does not mean that you're a member of this church. Some people attend a church seemingly forever and never take the step of covenant membership. That is, that you have covenanted be, to be faithful to the church and that you are a member of the church. You're making a promise to stay with us no matter what comes. He was a lost church member until he got to prison and met Paul. And Paul led him to the Lord, so he became a brother. Not just a Jew, but also a Christian. And he became faithful. He was converted from slavery to faith, freedom, and brotherhood. He was converted from uselessness to from uselessness to usefulness. I need to say that right. From uselessness to usefulness. Formerly, he was useless to you. Why? Because he was lost. He did not have the integrity. He didn't have Christ as Savior. He did not. One of the best things that could happen to one of your employees is for them to get saved. Share the gospel with them. Maybe God will turn them from uselessness to usefulness. By the way, it is a shame if a Christian employee is a useless employee. That's a shame to Christ. Well, that was the sermon last week. I'm not going to preach it again today. But now he has become useful both to you and to me. But he was also, all that happened, but he was also convicted to make restitution. He was going back to his owner to make right what he had done wrong. But the thing is, Kelly went back a very different man because he had met Jesus. Think about this. Now that you've come to faith in Christ, go back and make amends. Make restitution. That's what Onesimus was doing. Heal relationships. Go back. Apologize. Heal relationships if that is all possible. And please the Savior 
with what you're doing and how you're living. Well, the next in the list is Aristarchus, a dedicated companion. He talked about my fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings. Now, I will tell you in my reading of the New Testament, and I've read it several times now, Aristarchus is the guy who stays around the longest and the most faithfully. I've been surprised, uh, Charles, that even Luke drops out and back in again. Luke disappears. We're going to study Acts in Sunday school next quarter. And you'll see Luke show up, and then all of a sudden he's not there, then he shows up again. All the time, Aristarchus is there. I mean, he suffered mob violence in Ephesus. He and Gaius were drugged through the crowd in Ephesus. He was shipwrecked with Paul on the way to Rome. After that shipwreck, he was stranded on Malta. He was then subjected to imprisonment, according to Colossians 4 and Philemon 1 only. My question is, and I've wondered this, my goodness, after all of that, why did he stick around? We talk about somebody being a Jonah. What about Paul? Man, Paul suffered greatly. But you know what? He didn't suffer alone. Delaney had somebody right there with him. And his name was Aristarchus. He was from Thessalonica, which was a part of close to Macedonia. Not the modern Macedonia, the Macedonian of ancient history. But he stayed with Paul all that time. Why didn't he leave? You know what? Look at me. Everyone here needs a friend who will be a friend, who will stick with you even when the going gets tough. And we need church members who will be faithful and who will stay and not drift away. Oh, I think there's a better opportunity. they got a better plan over there. I like their building. I like their ministry. I'm just going to go over there. Where's your covenant commitment to your membership? We need members, faithful, dedicated members who will stick with faith in LR through thick and thin and will never, never, never give up. Quote from Winston Churchill. Everyone needs a friend and companion who will stay with them whatever it takes and as long as as it takes. Then number four is John Mark, a dropout who dropped back in. That's a quote, Charles, from R.T. Parrott. When I was in seminary, R.T. Parrott came to the school in Florida, preached a sermon, what kind of drop are you? And he talked about people who Paul dropped off like Timothy and Titus and people who dropped in like Luke. And he talked about John Mark, who was a drop, who dropped off and then dropped back in. I'll give credit where credit's due, R.T. Parrott. Nobody but Charles and I know who that was. But he said, my fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. Now understand this, I called him a dropout who dropped back in because he was a runner. He was a runner. Uh, Alice, like Runaway Bride, everybody's seen that movie, right? Run, Runaway Bride. Um, 
He was a runner. He ran away in Mark chapter 14. I started to ask, this is not Sunday school class, so I'm not allowed to ask. How many of you know what that story is? It was the story of the young man in the garden when Jesus was arrested who ran away naked. He's the only place that he's mentioned at all is in the gospel of Mark. Wonder why? Because it was Mark, the cousin of the cousin of Barnabas and the son of Mary in whose home the church met. He was a returner. In 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter called him my son. Someone speculated that maybe that's because it was in Peter's preaching that he got saved. I don't know, but he's called my son. And in 2 Timothy 4, verse 4 and verse 6, it, it talks about bring Mark with you because he's profitable to me in the ministry. He was a runner, but he came back. Listen to me. If you have run away, come back. God wants you and wants you in his ministry. He wants to use you in his kingdom. Come back. If you've backslidden, come back. If you quit, come back. Our God is a God of second chances. And He wants you back again. By the way, He was also a writer. I almost skipped that. Well, actually, I jumped ahead so I could give my application. But He was a writer. He is the dude who wrote the Gospel of Mark. John Mark, the cousin, the, the runner, the returner, was also a writer. He wrote the gospel of Mark by inspiration of God. Number five is Justice, a Jewish co-worker. His name was Jesus, but he chose not to be called Jesus. Um, you, you know, one of the things I learned in Mexico is that there are a lot of people there named Jesus, but every single one of them that I met did not like being called Jesus. They were called Chewy. I'd never, I'd never heard that name before, Chewy. And then I found out every single Chewy was actually named Jesus, Jesus. But they used the nickname for him instead. Jesus was called Justice. And he was with them and also sent greetings. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers. Now he's talking about, this is number four of the guys that he's mentioned, and those are all Jews among my co-workers. He was Jewish. He was a co-worker with the Apostle Paul. And he said of all of them, including Justice, that he was a comfort to me, co-workers are comforters. It is dangerous to be a loner in the ministry. You, you guys in the ministry hear me? It is dangerous to be a loner in the ministry. One of the things I've seen among the missionaries I've counseled with, mentored and trained, is when a guy and his wife get out on a foreign field and they are a long way from their sending church and they begin to isolate themselves, not communicating. 
Todd, there's a very real danger they'll drift off into heresy. They'll have an affair. They will cheat on their reports. There's, it's dangerous to be a loner in the ministry and nobody should do that. Paul understood that. But I want you to think about justice. What else do we know about him? This is the only place in all the Bible that he's mentioned and it just says he sends you greeting. We learn that he's a Jew. We learn that he was a co-worker and that he was a comfort. But that's all we know. And some of the greatest of us labor diligently with a servant's spirit and do not want recognition. In fact, I'm afraid when I see somebody taking a position in the church so that they can be recognized. One of the worst things that someone can say to me is we enjoy being recognized. Now, my staff will tell you that I believe in recognizing volunteers. You, volunteers need to be appreciated. My deacons need to be appreciated, and I do appreciate them. But I don't want any of them saying, well, we need to be recognized as deacons. No, you don't. You just need to serve. Just deek. One of the first things I said when I... Before I became pastor, I said, I need my deacons to deek. That means serve. There are silent heroes among us. I could name a few, but they would have at me later for doing it. Because they don't want recognition. But they are making a real difference in the kingdom of God. What's the message? It's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about Jesus. We do it for His glory. We serve Him by serving one another. By serving others and doing it to the glory of God. Then there's Epaphras, a prayer warrior. Epaphras, who is one of you? Okay, what does that mean? He is from Colossae. He was one of them and a servant of Christ Jesus. He sends his greetings and he is always wrestling in prayer for you. He was a prayer warrior. Polly was on his knees. He was before God. He was praying for the church he came from and the church at Laodicea and the church at Heropolis, that whole region from which he came. He was a prayer warrior. Listen, you make a difference in the kingdom when you're fighting on your knees. I didn't know Aaron was going to sing that song this morning. But, and I don't know if he knew I was going to say this in the sermon. I don't know if God just worked that out or if it's Aaron's diligent research of the notes that I sent him. He did see these slides earlier this week. But listen, you fight the best. You fight the hardest when you fight on your knees. We need prayer and we need prayers. Pray without ceasing. Then there's Luke, a gifted professional. Our dear friend Luke the doctor and Demas send greetings. Luke was a gifted professional. Listen, the church needs professionals. Uh, I am grateful for the professionals among us. 
Now, there was a time when we had several lawyers in the congregation and several doctors and a dentist and 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 we need those professionals but we also need plumbers carpenters electricians we need professionals who are willing to use their training and their gifts to the glory of God Luke was a Gentile you see he's mentioned Tychicus Onesimus Aristarchus and Mark and then he says, these are the only Jews among my co-workers. There's, there's been a movement, Todd, recently among the Jews to try to claim Luke as a Jew. That verse says no. He is not a Jew. He is a Gentile. He was a Gentile, and yet he wrote more of the Bible, of the New Testament, that is, than anyone else. He was a doctor, professionally trained. Jay, and that day, I mean, obviously. But he served a missionary. He was a part of a mission team. Listen to me, there is a need on the mission field and in churches of trained professionals like Luke. He was also an inspired historian. He wrote the Gospel of Luke. And he wrote the book of Acts. And the total number of words, sentences, and verses in those two books make him the most prolific writer in all the New Testament. Listen to me. Use your talents, your training for Jesus and His kingdom. You can make a real difference. You can. I'm not preaching to somebody behind you or beside you. I'm talking to each and every one of you. Use your training, your gifts, your ability, your experiences in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to His honor and His glory. In the list that I've preached to you, but not in the book, there's one name missing. Demas. Demas. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and this is a little obscure, isn't it? And Demas sends you greetings. Jamie didn't say much about him, did he? Didn't call him a brother. Didn't call him a comfort. Said nothing about him, just that he sends you greetings. I wonder if that was the inspiration of God or the doubts of the Apostle Paul about Demas. Because it says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, do your best to come quickly for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me. He loved this world. Listen, he had a chance. He could have been a, among the list of those who were effective, who made a difference, but he missed it. He made a wrong decision in his life and deserted the ministry, deserted Paul, deserted the service of God and the kingdom of God because he was, his heart was wrong. His heart was for the world, for money, for possessions, for power. And he chose to turn his back on the kingdom of God. He loved the world instead of loving God. Listen to me. This is your chance. You have heard how you can make a difference. 
how you can have a life of significance. But the danger is that you will love the world more than loving God and loving his church and loving his people and blow it. Don't blow it. Have a life of significance. Make a commitment today to stay with Jesus, to stay with his church, to be faithful, to sacrifice, to go through hard times, but to do it for the glory of God. Not because I want you to, of course I do, but because Jesus wants you to. And you want to have an impact in the kingdom of God. Would you stand with your heads bowed just for a moment? Bow your heads, close your eyes, and ask yourself this question. What part of my life is making a difference? Will I have an impact? Does what I do matter? Am I wasting my time? Am I wasting my giftedness? Am I wasting my life? God has put you here for a reason. He has a plan for you. And it is a plan of significance. To have an impact. And you can make a decision here now to live your life for God, to be faithful, and to make a difference in the world today and in the lives of people around you. What will you do? Some of you need to come to Jesus for salvation. Then some of you need to come for baptism and membership in this church. You make a bigger difference when you're a part of a team like this than you'll ever make on your own. It's time. But it's your decision. Make an impact. Make a difference. Be significant in the kingdom of God. If there is some decision that you need to make and you want me to pray with you, I'm going to ask you to do it this way this time. I'm going to sit here after the announcements are made. I'm going to just sit here right on, on the edge of the stage. And Todd is going to speak to those of you in the, in the lobby. And you can go to him in the lobby. Or you just come up here and sit down with me after the announcements have been made and I will pray with you. Even if you just have something else you need for me to pray with you about, come and sit with me and I will pray with you. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray, Father, please move by your spirit in the lives of this, my people, that they may make a difference to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.